The House will return Tuesday and stay in session through Friday. The Senate stayed in session over the weekend and will stay in session until it has completed its consideration of H.R. 815, the legislative vehicle for the emergency supplemental spending bill now called the National Security Act of 2024. Last week in the House, the House returned Monday and passed two bills under suspension of the rules. On Tuesday, the House passed a bill under suspension. Then the House took up H. Res. 863, a resolution to impeach Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Democrats surprised Republicans by wheeling into the chamber Texas Democrat Al Green, who was in a wheelchair and still wearing hospital scrubs, still recovering from surgery. The surprise appearance of Green on the floor to cast his vote ruined the Republicans' plans. They had counted on Green being absent for the vote. So 212 Democrats in the chamber voted against the resolution, as did three Republicans. On the other side, 215 Republicans voted for the resolution. The vote was tied, 215 to 215. And the three Republicans who voted no would not be budged. For the record, the three were Ken Buck of Colorado, Tom McClintock of California, and Michael Gallagher of Wisconsin. Then, compounding the failure to properly manage the House floor, the GOP leadership decided to take up H.R. 7217, Speaker Johnson's Israel-only supplemental spending bill. Because he didn't think he could get a rule out of the Rules Committee, the Speaker decided to put the bill on the floor under suspension of the rules, which meant it needed a two-thirds majority to pass. It got 250 votes, but that wasn't enough so the bill failed. On Wednesday, the House took up and passed H.R. 485, the Protecting Health Care for All Patients Act. The bill passed by a vote of 211 to 208 along straight party lines, and then they were done. This week in the House, the House will return Tuesday with the first vote set for 6.30 p.m. At that time, the House is scheduled to consider nine bills under suspension of the rules. Then the House is scheduled to reconsider H. Res. 863, the Mayorkas impeachment resolution. On Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, the House will consider H.R. 7176, the Unlocking Our Domestic LNG Potential Act of 2024. Additional legislative items are possible. Last week in the Senate, the Senate returned on Monday and voted to confirm Joseph Albert Lorosky, Jr. to be a judge of the United States Court of International Trade. On Tuesday, the Senate voted to invoke cloture on and then to confirm the nominations of Kurt Campbell to be Deputy Secretary of State and Amy M. Baggio to be U.S. District Judge for the District of Oregon. On Wednesday, the Senate voted, I'm sorry, the Senate took up the Emergency Supplemental Spending Bill, also known as the Border Bill. Senate Republicans had decided that the Democrats' concessions on border security issues were not good enough to earn their support, and they voted against it en masse. So the vote to invoke cloture on the motion to proceed was rejected by a vote of 49 to 50. On Thursday, the Senate took up Majority Leader Schumer's backup bill, an emergency supplemental spending bill containing $95 billion in aid for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, with no funding for American border security. In other words, what President Biden originally asked for, for the most part. A number of Republicans, 17 in fact, voted to invoke cloture on the motion to proceed, so it was agreed to by a vote of 67 to 32. Having invoked cloture on the motion to proceed, on Friday, the Senate took up the motion to proceed itself, 
and agreed to it by a vote of 64 to 19. This week in the Senate, the Senate will continue its consideration of H.R. 815, the legislative vehicle for the emergency supplemental spending bill, until it is complete. If all time is used, we expect a final vote on the bill will take place on Wednesday. Now, back to the Mayorkas impeachment. The House Republican leadership thought Texas Democrat Al Green was not going to be in the chamber to cast a vote against the Mayorkas impeachment resolution. So they thought they would have a majority by one vote. When he showed up, the vote was tied at 215 to 215. And under the rules of the House, unlike baseball, where a tie goes to the runner, in the House, a tie vote means a measure fails. So tied at 215 to 215, Louisiana Republican Blake Moore flipped his vote from yes to no so that a member of leadership would be on the prevailing side, leaving the leadership the option of bringing the bill up for consideration again by using what's called a motion to reconsider. Only a member of the prevailing side may call up such a motion, so that explains why someone who actually supports the bill ends up voting against it. The House Republican leadership believes they'll have a majority in the chamber on Tuesday evening. Plus, to be honest, they're worried that Democrats may gain another seat on Tuesday in the special election in New York's 3rd Congressional District, where Republican George Santos vacated the seat when he was expelled from the House last year. So, they want to hold the Mayorkas impeachment vote before a new Democrat would be sworn in just in case the Democrats win and flip that seat from Republican to Democrat. Now let's talk more about the emergency supplemental spending bill. As mentioned earlier, Senate Republicans have helped move the emergency supplemental spending bill, also known as the border deal. Consequently, Majority Leader Schumer pulled out his backup plan. That is, Senate Republicans blocked the first version that had uh, the border deal in it. So Senate Republican, uh, Senate Majority Leader Schumer went to his backup plan. Uh, the, the majority of the Republican conference did not go along with him, but 17 did, and that was enough to pass the first procedural test to invoke cloture on the motion to proceed. Once they were on the bill, the next key vote was a motion to agree to the motion to proceed, and that was agreed to also. A third vote took place Sunday afternoon. That vote set up two more procedural votes that will take place Monday evening, that is tonight. And then, unless something extraordinary happens, the final vote to pass the bill will come on Wednesday. At that point, the Senate will have passed a foreign aid supplemental containing about $95 billion in aid for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. It'll go to the House, and it will become a hot potato in Speaker Johnson's hands. Now let's talk about the Supreme Court and Trump ballot access. On Thursday morning, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in the case of Trump v. Anderson, a case in which Donald Trump is asking the Supreme Court to overturn the decision of the Colorado Supreme Court to throw him off the Republican ballot for the March 5 state primary election. Listening to the oral argument or even reading the transcript, one cannot help but think the court is getting ready to tell the state of Colorado to go take a long walk off a short pier. Oral arguments lasted for more than two hours, and justices across the ideological spectrum made it clear they had problems with the notion of one state acting to make such a decision. Uh, one justice asked if a single state should have the ability to make the determination not only for their own citizens, but for the rest of the nation. That seems quite extraordinary, doesn't it? 
From the other side, Justice Amy Coney Barrett agreed, adding that it just doesn't seem like a state call. The court could issue its ruling on the case at any time. I'm betting it releases its decision before the March 5 Colorado primary, and I continue to believe Chief Justice Roberts will do all he can to fashion a ruling that earns the votes of all nine justices. Now to the big news from last week, the Biden document mishandling case. On Thursday, Robert Hur, the special counsel appointed by Attorney General Merrick Garland in January 2023 to investigate President Biden's retention of classified documents after he left the vice presidency, dropped a bomb on the political world when he sent to Garland a 345-page report on his investigation. The third sentence of the executive summary of the report says, quote, our investigation uncovered evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen. These materials included, one, marked classified documents about military foreign policy in Afghanistan, and two, notebooks about foreign policy implicating sensitive intelligence sources and methods. FBI agents recovered these materials from the garage, offices, and basement den in Mr. Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home, end quote. The summary continues, quote, The classified documents and other materials recovered in this case spanned Mr. Biden's career in national public life. During that career, Mr. Biden has long seen himself as a historic figure. Elected to the Senate at age 29, he considered running for president as early as 1980, and did so in 1988, 2008, and 2020. He believed his record during decades in the Senate made him worthy of the presidency, and he collected papers and artifacts related to significant issues and events in his career." End quote. A few pages later, Herr explains one of the key reasons he decided not to recommend prosecution. Quote, we have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. Based on our direct interactions and observations of him, he is someone for whom many jurors will want to identify reasonable doubt. It would be difficult to convince a jury that they should convict him by then a former president well into his 80s, of a serious felony that requires a mental state of willfulness, end quote. Elsewhere, her reported that during the five hours of interviews they conducted with Biden over two days in October, Biden forgot when he began serving as vice president, when he stopped serving as vice president, and he even forgot the year in which his son, Beau, died. The special counsel painted a picture of a president who just isn't all there mentally. President Biden is now off the hook legally, but the special counsel just stuck a spear right through his chest politically. Now, here's the interesting thing. Special counsel Herr was required by law to present the attorney general with a report explaining his decision not to seek prosecution of Biden. He didn't have a choice, and that report had to contain all his reasoning. The law required her to hand over to Garland a confidential report. At that point, it became Garland's decision as to what to do with it. He could have sat on it. He chose not to. He could have edited it. 
he chose not to. Instead, rather than take the heat for making a decision to edit out some of Hur's more sensational comments, Garland decided to let his boss take the heat. He released the entire report just as he got it. And senior Democrats, including especially Joe Biden, are steaming mad at Garland for releasing the report as is and embarrassing the boss. We now have an official document of the Department of Justice that says the President of the United States is not competent to stand trial because a prosecutor didn't believe he could get a jury to believe the President had the mental acuity to do something willfully. If the President doesn't have the mental competence to stand trial, how does he have the mental competence to do his job? Stay tuned. This one is not going away. Now to the latest on the 2024 campaign. Not surprisingly, on Sunday morning, ABC News released a new poll with a shocking number in it, 86. That's the percentage of Americans who think Joe Biden is too old to serve another term as president. That number has increased over the last several months. In September, according to an ABC News Washington Post survey released then, 74% of Americans thought Biden was too old to serve another term. This new survey was fielded February 9th and 10th, after news of special counsel Robert Hur's report was released. Now, finally, to the Jenny Beth Show. Episode 52 of the Jenny Beth Show dropped last Wednesday. It features Jenny Beth's interview with Jack Posobiec of Human Events. And it's a great discussion of Jack's background and how he got involved in politics and activism. That's our Washington Report for this week.